In the spirit of the season being around conscious wealth creation, of course, we can look at the investments that we are making and our relationship and bringing a conscious awareness and depth and love to our relationship with money and the level in which we're healing and dealing with the trauma that money can bring inside of our intimate relationships. And of course, how we circulate our money is one of the most important pieces. And that's not just the products we buy and the things we spend money on. That is also the causes that we care about, the global and social issues that our money can transform. So I'm excited to be able to bring onto the podcast two of my dearest friends and millennial thought leaders in this area of the charitable sector and philanthropy, both studying and deeply in this work and also co-founders of an incredible platform called Chive, which is a digital platform that is giving a presence to charities and empowering to make the giving process a lot easier for individuals. And I love the commitment, I love the transparency, and I love the access that these two give everyone and the generosity they give inside of their own giving strategy, but also their philosophies and their continual development and philosophies in this area. So enjoy this episode where we really dive into the power of giving and what it can make available in your life and how you can go about doing that in a more effective way and the shifts in what we're seeing in the philanthropic sector and the charitable sector and how you can be part of this true transformation. So to kick off, I would love each of you to introduce a little snippet on who you are and what you're up to in the world right now, and specifically in relation to this area and your creation with Chive. So Alice, I will hand over to you. Thank you so much for having us. I'm also super excited. I am currently studying at Parsons in New School of Design, and so for the last six months and then for the next six months, my entire research thesis has been around millennial giving strategies and challenges around the philanthropic space, especially looking at why it's problematic and how we can play a role in shifting that. And the other piece, obviously, that's relevant to this is Chive that you've mentioned, which I started with my fabulous husband, Stephen, about 18 months ago, which was set up to to solve the challenge of finding small to medium-sized charities in New Zealand that don't normally get ranked highly on Google or have digital marketing or all of those good things that get people to give their money. And I'm going to hand off to Stephen to finish telling that story. Thanks, Alice. Alice's husband first (laughs) and uh, co-founder of Chive second, which is, yeah, Alice, you hit the nail on the head. It's We're trying to rethink the way that charities are represented and how we engage with them at a basis that's making it easy to find and hear these stories. And I think that's what the platform Chive does. And when I'm not doing that, I work in sales. And before this, I was in the international development space. I worked for Oxfam and the British Council of Social Enterprises around the world. So yeah, I've had a good grounding of the, the highs and lows of social impact, what that word even means, how it can sometimes get jargony, how can sometimes it can be really empowering. So that's where we're at today. So I'd love to hear from each of you that why of why is it so important that each of us play a role in this in the world? Like what responsibilities do we have as global citizens to be part of the philanthropic sector or be donating? Or is it something we can choose to be part of or not? 
the first thing that's coming to mind is is moral responsibility. And this is an opinion, it's perspective, not everyone would agree with it, but my opinion is that we have a moral responsibility to all people and creatures on this planet. And that includes our environment, that includes animals, that includes humans, obviously, and anything that we do should be orientated towards that. And but where that fits in with how you kind of give as an individual or what part you play in that and what that looks like in terms of your resources, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be giving money. It can be time. It can be your way of being with people. Alice and I are both vegan. We're not telling people to go vegan, but in terms of our alignment to that philosophy of we believe that we should be supporting all creatures and people on this planet, that aligns with our vision. That is one way of giving or mitigating harm. And just a side note on that, there's, there's two ways you can give is that you're, you're reducing harm or you're creating kind of opportunities. So it's what are you doing on those two sides? So that's one part. I think the second part in terms of giving, and again, Brian, this is something you talk about a lot, is is how you spend your money is who you are in the world. Who do you want to be with the money that you've got, right? You can really create an impact. Now, I could go out and buy like a real swank suit and walk down the road in my swank suit and people would be like, yeah, that guy's in a swank suit, you know, and that would be me for the day. And then I could change my suit and be somebody completely different. With giving, whatever change you want to see in the world, there's somebody out there trying to do it. And funds are a really good way to support them in doing that. And, you know, in that system, you know, as a media issue is that that's the biggest thing that charities are asking for at the moment is they need the money to do the things that they're doing. End of. That's the, a, a really key resource for them. And being able to just offer that consistent support, knowing that you've gone through the process of thinking, what do I care about in the world? Who's out there doing it? And how are they making a difference? And not coming from a place of scrutiny of, oh, this is how they spend their own heads. Oh, this is, they've got a, a nice office in this area, but going, what is the opportunity here? What is their five-year, 10-year goal? And how do I align with that? That's such an awesome way of being. And knowing that it doesn't have to be a huge amount of money. It just has to be what you feel is good. It's the same with a suit. You could spend a million dollars on a suit if you wanted, or you could spend a hundred dollars. It's how it feels for you. And it's what it does for the world. And so I guess the point I'm getting to is, that you can create an impact with your money. It is who you want to be in this world. And giving is a great way to do that because you can walk down the street knowing that there is an impact being created independently of you. It is not dependent on your ego. It's not dependent on your misbeliefs or issues that you have with the world. It is just that you have surrendered to the opportunity that you can create an impact with your money. Yeah, probably the first thing to acknowledge is we're not suggesting that anyone experiencing hardship feel pressured to give money like Stephen said there's so many alternatives to donating and if you are someone with privilege which I imagine perhaps if you're listening to this you're experiencing some sort of privilege and, and I'm speaking from my privilege yes I'm acknowledging that too is that it is something we get to do like it's such an honor redistribute and circulate your wealth and I think also if you're listening to this you've probably had reflections or thoughts about the society we live in and how we spend money and, and having some concerns about what we're up to. And I think donating is actually like a really high impact opportunity for you to amplify your impact with quite little effort. So if you set up like a sound strategy, I can't even say how good that's going to make you feel in terms of having that lined up. If we think about the impact Probably what I wanted to share on top of that, I think Stephen covered a lot of it, is that when we look at the donations that happen in the world, they do not line up 
with people's democratic priorities. And what I mean by that is, for example, the environment and climate change gets roughly 3% of global donations. Yet, when millennials are interviewed globally, climate change and the environment is obviously a top three issue. And so what we're seeing is a mismatch between where the money is circulating and where people want to see an impact. And I think it could be because we have moved into the space where donations are not already always thought of as the first approach to solving a challenge that you care about. I think people first resort now to maybe impact investing, potentially doing things, reducing waste or buying from companies that have a social purpose. But I think we've got an opportunity here to make a call again to donate and make it a really sound part of who we are and how we make an impact. And I hope you can see for yourself too that then you can start influencing what those democratic priorities are and start shifting the needle on those things you care about. And I think to just loop back in on everything you both articulated so beautifully there is something that really landed for me as you were speaking, specifically what you were sharing as well, Stephen. You can walk down the street in your suit, like you said, if you want to buy that suit. And you can also walk down there knowing that that work is getting done because some of us, it's maybe not our soul's purpose to go out and do that work or even our skill sets. And the fact that, You can literally be doing your vision in the world, be doing your work in the world and know those things are happening because some incredible charity that's taken on this huge mission, like you've said, like these are huge complex issues that they're solving and you can walk down in that freaking suit, whatever, you can have the suit and your consistent donation and know that that's happening. And I think there's this philosophy of giving is living. And I think so many of us think it to some extent it's you give and it like it takes away from what you experience or you're not going to have that money for yourself, but it's actually, and Alice, you said it, you tapped into emotionally there. It's like the greatest gift, like knowing that you're walking through the world, doing life, doing your priorities, you know, and knowing that that's happening. And it's giving sometimes looks selfless and it is to an extent, but I also want to tap in that it's, there's an element of selfishness because it's a really nice feeling. It's for you too. It's for you to know that your values are being met, that your wealth is being circulated in an aligned way. So I think that was just so beautifully articulated. I think we've seen people ad hoc donations here and there, And for anyone listening, you can check out Chive in the show notes and the link. It is a platform that's really giving a digital presence to these charities. And so I'm curious, before Chive had been created, I guess, what was the problem you saw specifically in the charity sector that you set out to solve? And how was Chive solving that for people? Thinking about the giver's challenges, it is incredibly overwhelming when you're looking for a charity to donate to. So the typical pathway for a millennial now would be to go on Google and search, say, Education Charities New Zealand. And the problem with that is it's the top 10% typically of mega charities that get listed at the top because they've got wonderful SEO and they're often paying for Google AdWords. And that's wonderful because they're great charities, but the giver is then missing out on access to 90% of charities that exist in New Zealand, often that are very grassroots charities or probably need the most support to, to stay in existence. So what we wanted to solve for the giver was giving them somewhere to go. When they Google New Zealand charities, they come straight to Chive so that they can narrow down by what they're interested in to identify small to medium-sized charities that might resonate that they could donate to. 
Yeah, on, for charities, it's complicated for charities. It is a big ecosystem, and especially in New Zealand. Over 28,000 charities in New Zealand, they one of the highest charities per capita of any country in the world. They're a very important part of Aotearoa New Zealand's foundations, how you are as people. There's a Brit, there's a Pakeha coming into that. I find that quite inspiring. I think at a systems level for charities, when we started Chive, we spoke to 20 charities and we just sat there and said, what's your biggest problem? And all of them say fundraising. Pretty much I'd say 90%, 95% of them would say fundraising. That's a good thing in that we're trying to help them access their funds. And it's a bad thing in that they feel so pressured that their biggest priority is funding and not the impact and mission that they're trying to create. And so on the charity side, there are so many pressures they've got to deal with chasing the next grant, trying to find the next sponsor or donor or somebody who's going to work for them. And on top of all of that, in terms of what Alice just spoke to, is how people are donating and the changes that that's having. So more people donating online, most of the majority of people will donate online through organic search. And again, if only those top 10% of charities are being found, then 90% are being missed. And in terms of statistics, 91% of all donations go to 9% of charities in New Zealand. So this is a real true thing that's happening. And it means that those 91% of charities are left kind of scrapping for the remaining 9%. So it's a huge systems issue that I hope Chive is having a small part it's definitely not the answer, but I hope we're helping create visibility for those charities who need that support. Huge problems to tackle on both sides and just acknowledging you both for leading the charge on this and getting so deep into a space, which, as you have said, is so complicated. And I think that that concentration of where the giving has been going, it is a, a huge challenge. I'm curious what you would share with someone who's facing that challenge and because I think both of you just have such beautiful philosophies on this. I love this question. This is the first myth busting. So that is one of the biggest objections from givers is that, oh, well, I've heard this arbitrary rule, right, that it should be less than 20% of funding and a charity should go to overheads and so that's the operational cost that's paying staff and I find this fascinating so when we're thinking about impact I am curious as to why people think that people and charities shouldn't be paid for starters (laughs) and I'm also curious as to how people expect an impact to be made without operational costs existing it's it's nearly impossible and so charities have been put under this unreasonable pressure. I don't even know where this myth came from for so long because people don't want their money going towards operational funding. So much so that some of the most successful charities in the world get their operational funding from other sources, say major philanthropic partners, so that individual donors feel all of their money is going to the cause, which I get, and you can certainly choose charities that way. So that's one alternative for you if you believe in that, I guess, methodology. But the other one is to really consider the cause that you care about and the charity that you're giving to. Do they require operational costs and could that really be powerful for the impact? For example, a mental health charity, they would have very high operational costs because they might need to pay counsellors, for example. So that might be 90% operational costs. And so this is where this it falls over and I'd really encourage people to, to give that one up because it's not serving the charity sector and it's not serving impact for people to believe in that. Yeah, Alice is spot on. It is an unreasonable expectation for people who are aiming to end poverty 
to tackle the climate crisis, to work on supporting people who've been in horrific experiences, to be paid next to nothing to do that. And yeah, talking about that bit at the start, you know, that's where that trickle of this system comes from, right? There's this expectation that you will deliver everything without the funds to do it. And then the charities are worrying about the funds because they haven't got the funds to do it. And so it leads to this system where the way I think the mindsets that charities embrace is one of huge scarcity. And that is not a place to, you know, this is something I know you talk a lot about bribe, but it's not a place that you can create impact from. It's from scarcity at all. And so, yeah, it, it is down to us in having that expectation of trusting these organizations. You know, I used to work for Oxfam, a huge, one of the biggest charities in the world. And they do some incredible work incredible 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 work and if they were just being judged for their overheads you know it wouldn't encapture the true value they create for the communities they work for on this planet so yeah fully aligned with that Alice and there's a reframe that needs to happen in terms of how we perceive impact and our expectations that we have on charities and I think just the last point on that is think about the expectations you have to say even Brian or any company or person that you work with what expectations do you have of them and look at those relative to what you have in relation to what you experience when you make a donation. And you'll see that there is a, and I, I experience this as well, you know, it's, I'm not perfect. So it's just something to be conscious of. Mm. And I love what you said, Stephen, about trust, because I think that's where we need to be moving towards in giving. And it's a new school of thought, right? Mm. We've gone through the last 20 to 30 years has been focused on what they call philanthropic capitalism. And that's applying capitalistic constructs to giving. So my money must have X return on investment, which I totally get. This is what we've been trained to do our whole lives. What is my return on investment on this donation? And unfortunately, it hasn't always seen great results. Yes, empirically, there are awesome quantitative things you can measure with that. Say if you're distributing malaria nets in, in Africa, and you can save lives, and that's very quantifiable. But on the other side, there are amazing charities that can't necessarily quantify their impact. And what we need is more people who are willing to trust those charities and trust the people who work for them and trust that their heart is in the right place and they're doing their absolute best because it's hard, hard work doing this kind of mahi. I think that's where some of the transformation will really lie, and it's exciting. So an example of that is Jeff Bezos' ex-wife, Mackenzie Scott. She is an unrestricted funder. That's her philosophy with funding. So she's given billions of dollars away without requiring impact reports, without being, you must do this with your money. She has chosen charities that she really trusts and believe in their mission. And she's like, do what you want. And that is empowering for the charity sector. And that's going to create massive impact. Wow. I feel like we could just pause the episode right now and mic drop that is just everything right there because I think that has been such a big reason for people and so beautifully articulated from both of you of like we get to check that because why shouldn't charities get those overheads and be paid so beautifully for this amazing mahi and work that they're doing in the world it's just like couldn't be more accurate I love that philosophy of actually this whole sector doesn't need that level of scrutiny and constant what is the return we get to have the context of trust now. I'm thinking of our listeners right now and they're hearing this and they're like, hey, I'm ready to do this. How can they set that up? And I guess how can Chive be 
and, and access. And obviously Chive is New Zealand focused. So I'm aware of that, but a lot of our audience is New Zealand. So how can Chive support someone to go through and set up their strategy now? And I know you guys have literally built it for this reason. So um, talk us through a little like, we log on, what can they set up from there? In linking to the last question, this is the I'm excited about because we've got so much work to do as Chive in terms of creating a, a system that empowers people with their money. And think about people investing in shares. If 10 years ago you'd said to somebody, you can invest with as little as a dollar, people would have thought you were crazy. And now it's like commonplace and it's a mindset that people genuinely believe you know, that they can invest their money and put $5 in and have some sense of empowerment and a stake in a global company. Isn't that amazing? And I feel that narrative is slowly moving into this space. And I you know, like to think that China is a small pie in that. I think we've got a ton of work to do on the giver experience, for sure. The way we've designed it is that one of the problems is language, right? How do you find what you care about, right? What do you even start with? And so one person's definition of an education charity might be somebody's definition of a children charity or community charity. And so the key part of Chive is using the words that matter to you. And we've linked those charities in a way that those searches will bring up relevant charities. So they are interconnected. So the charities pick what categories they're in. And that means that they're not bound to a specific type of language. Um, so if they are an education and a community, and working with people in poverty, they're against all those tags. They're not just out there as a education charity. So Chive can help you find causes that you may not have necessarily thought would have been aligned based on the language you would initially use to find it. Um, and then as a platform, the, the whole purpose is, is to tell that story from opportunity. We don't share information on overheads and costs. We're not in the game of looking at the last 10 years of their reports. We're in the game of what is the opportunity these causes are trying to create from the people who work in these charities? They are telling this story through video media, through text, and you can follow events, you can subscribe to them. And then I think the important thing is, is if you get to a point where you're like, I can make a financial commitment, we've set it up in a way that you can do one-off or uh, regular donations. So it's really simple to do. Apple Pay, um, just credit card details. It's very, very, very simple. Um, so yeah. There's no barriers in the tech. It's all there. If you want to get going, it's absolutely all there. And we're not the only resource. Like there's, there's so many great things, like specifically within New Zealand, like you have 1% Collective who you can, you know, commit to giving 1% of your income to a specific charity. I mean, that's really cool. Obviously, like give a little. If you see something that really inspires you that isn't necessarily reaction, you're like, that is something I want to get on board with. Great, go do that. Um, and then also just the last point is, if you're thinking of something, if you're looking at the causes on Chive and you're thinking, you know, for us, for example, animal welfare is crucial. Um, and donating might not be the main thing. Um, then look at places that are working with animal welfare. Look at PETA. Um, look at, you know, the Humane League. There is, there's these places where you can just search and find about that specific cause and look at ways in which you can be. And then in terms of just back of the donation, the last, last bit is um, let's make the most of your money. Um, so you get a you get a tax rebate in New Zealand for when you donate, and there's an organisation called Super Generous who help you claim that tax rebate, and then you can donate that tax rebate as well. So we're amplifying your impact. So the infrastructure is all there. Um, so yeah, I'm excited by it. There's still a long way to go, but um, yeah, I do think we we're playing our small part in this. 
Amazing. And it isn't a small part. It's a huge part. I really want to emphasize the magnitude of what Alice and Stephen have created for us team. I know this has been something that's been brewing and they've put so much money into it. And I really acknowledge you both for what you've created, because simply for anyone listening to this, I know there's another couple of initiatives, you know, and I know it's all the same mission, but you could go to, you'd have to go to the charities register, right? Prior to Tribe. Mm-hmm. And you would need to know the name of the charity. And it wasn't searchable by values as such. And like you said, we're limited in our language. Like we just sometimes know a particular word. And so I think really do want to emphasize the magnitude of what you've made accessible to people and just like the ease they've made it easy, 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 easy. It's so easy, especially like the reoccurring donation and all of it. It's just, it's right there for you, for us to use. Right. So, um, yeah, I just think it's just so important to emphasize this is a quantum leap in this area. And of course, you've got so much work to do. That's who you two are, you know, for the world. Um, but there is, there is like, it's there and it's so easy for us. And we all just get to get on board and get our giving strategy set up and be so empowered around it. And Al, some of your points there on the mismatch is so incredible because I even look at some of the giving I have done and where I have seen things on social media pop up or we've got so much funding, pledge campaigns, all of these things now that I often sometimes have reflected on my giving and been like, was that really values aligned this month? I gave to this thing. We see so much with social media and all these things, right? There's, I think you guys would know, and we could speak into this. It's like the giving fatigue of like this constant kind of, there's so many causes and there can be so much overwhelm of what to give to. So I've definitely reflected and looked at a month's donations and been, that's really random and quite ad hoc. And if I truly look at my values, is that really aligned? So I would love to hear from you. How do you think people can overcome that? Al, you kind of tapped into this of a strategy, a consistent way that you're giving versus an ad hoc. Oh, my friend posted this on Facebook. Oh, and I'm wondering when we have that, what that can alleviate as well. Because sometimes I see those things and I feel this pressure. I'm like, oh yeah, well, I do have money, so I should give to that. So you mentioned strategy. What does that mean for people and how could they set that up consistently? Yeah, it's a fabulous question. So from the research I've been doing at university, it all suggests that most people, I'd say 90% of people that we've spoken to do not have a giving strategy. And millennials are generally very reactive in their giving like you're saying it's seeing something that pulls your heartstrings on instagram or it's on give a little things like this that lead us to donate and i think it's so interesting what you're saying if you reflect back and see whether they are values aligned and all we're suggesting is yeah that you look forward and see what can you set up for the future that then in those moments you actually already know what your strategy is and can see whether it's aligned or not And so there is no specific way to do this. What we suggest is doing it in a way that works for you. But the first thing to do would be to really focus on what you care about and getting really deep in on that. And it is the question of whether you might want to support, say, one cause, for example, climate change, or you might have three causes that you want to contribute to. That's all perfect. That's up to you. And you get to drop into that and you get to do the research. Once you've aligned on what you care about, then it's deciding the frequency of donation and how much you have to donate. So that's simply a budgeting question. And I think that's where we've seen giving strategies fall over so often is because it's not ingrained in our budgets and our lifestyles. Like there's no moment in our day where we're thinking or in our year where we're thinking, okay, 
this is the time I sit down and figure out what my donation strategy is. It's just something we're never educated on. Everyone's experience of donating has typically come from what they've learned from their parents. And so it's completely diverse in terms of what people do. But always suggesting is sit down, come up with a plan, work out how much you want to give. How does that relate to your budget? And it might be that you do it all in January, lump sum in January, and then you're done for the year. Or it might be that you do it monthly, but we'd suggest keep revisiting whether you're still aligned with those charities and causes, and then go from there. It would be an evolving strategy. We've changed our strategy loads of times in terms of what we care about. I used to be very strict, like effective altruism, but through my learning in the past few years, I've definitely softened on that and realized this unrestricted funding is really powerful as well. So Stephen, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. No, I really resonate with that. And a couple of things to add is there's no right answer. All of it is personal, is based on experience, is based on what we do with that experience and what opportunities we want to create in the world. And I've had to personally have a lot of reframes. You know, my background, I grew up with a very you know, low-income background and giving wasn't the thing I was thinking about for a long time because we were struggling to get by. So you know, I can imagine if me six, five years ago listening to this podcast, I'd been like, this isn't relevant for me at the moment. And that's okay. It doesn't necessarily have to be relevant to you right now. But now it is relevant for me. And there's two parts to it, right? There's the what you want to create in the world, the opportunity. And there's also the responsibility as a global citizen. And I'm acknowledging my privilege here as a white, able-bodied, cisgender male. I have a large percentage of all the privileges you can get in this world. And with that comes a responsibility to my community. And being conscious of that when I make these giving decisions. And I think there's a side of this where some people would say that giving is problematic. And it is in some senses. In the way that we've set up this system, you know, we're talking about pulling on the heartstrings and the immediacy of giving. That is all true. And that, you know, the research, the behavioral science behind it is that those appeals, those things that say, you know, donate $3 a month for this person right now because they're struggling, they get you. They're the most effective campaigns. And so that's the system that we set up. That's the system we work in. And so, being able to go into that with not necessarily a hard out plan, but an intention, a way of being, an opportunity that you're looking for, allows you to bypass that. It allows you to overcome all of those things and know that even your mind, that what you are giving to, it's what you feel you should be giving to at that moment for the future you want to create. Not what somebody else has told you to, not something you're reacting to. And that's just as a way of being, you know, I've personally found a way more in balance and in tune on the day-to-day, week-to-week. Wow, I love that frame because it is, it is a huge thing we see of overwhelm of all these causes and the way they have been framed, like you said, Stephen and Alice, like pulling on the heartstrings and then suddenly you feel, I think you feel guilt as well. And of course, that's our stuff to deal with because, you know, these are massive issues that we all get to look at. And sometimes I think many of us would rather avoid them. And so sometimes when they're in your face and that emotion it brings up, they're obviously curated that way to get us into action. So what I'm really hearing from both of you and something that's been so beautifully framed here is we can be empowered and we can be proactive and aligned to our own values so that when we see those things, we don't need to feel guilty simply because we've actually got our strategy and we know where we're heading and we know that we're aligned and and we don't have to tip into that reactiveness and just we get to be really empowered in our giving strategies. I think something we all weigh is like when I have X amount of money, when I have a million dollars, when I have $2 million, and I think that's a huge thing of like we can all start now and something I think both of you bring so beautifully is it could be $5, it could be $10 a month, whatever it is, it's actually being in congruency and deciding that 
we're going to take on that global citizenship and responsibility from now. So I think that's something I see a lot is people, when I get to X amount or when my assets get to Y amount, then I'm going to start investing. And I think the consistent strategy definitely deals with that. Is there anything else you either of you want to add on that specific challenge for people? I would say the most grounded and inspiring givers we've met are people who established giving practices very early on in life or in the last few years and who really understand I'm developing a ritual now, even if I don't have a lot of money, that as my earning increases, I can adapt. I think establishing the ritual now is great because when you then get to that 2 million or whatever, it's going to be even more overwhelming deciding who to give to. So I think if you frame it in an experimental way, in a learning way, and I think that's one of the biggest gaps in this space is education, then that's really powerful. And like you've said as well, it's scientifically proven that giving feels great. So why not start now? I'm curious because I'm someone that evolves every like two weeks. <laughs> you know, I go to a course and I do this and I'm like, that, that's me. And I'm, so I'm curious. Um, Evolutions of our strategy. I know there's no right answer. We know that it's such a personal thing. I guess just a how do you guys do it? Do you have a particular date in your calendar? You sit down together as because you're obviously husband and wife. Do you sit down? Do you have that conversation? I know people have finance dates with themselves around their investments and stuff. So I'm wondering, have you applied that kind of stuff over to your giving strategy? Or if you had any insights, is it something you review quarterly? I'm curious on that because I think that's something that we don't want to leave to chance either. Otherwise we can start to feel unaligned and then again, we're creating friction. So any words of wisdom on that or any structures for success on that? We do quarterly check-ins to manage it. How much are we going to donate? Who are we going to donate to? And what does that look like? And I think for us, we're quite unattached to a specific philosophy as we keep learning. And that's what we really want to encourage listeners today to do is the learning because there is, so much complexity in terms of how we can best make an impact. And I think as we learn more about white supremacy and all of these things that exist in this space, what can we shift in our giving strategy to make sure we are truly using our privilege for the best impact? And that will never end. We'll keep discovering. So I think it's reading a lot as well. <laughs> yeah. Was there any specific resources that, because I know you're both avid learners and you've got the Chive blog. And again, we'll put that in the show notes because there's some great resources in there. Was there anything specifically you've recently read to look into that power dynamic? It's a huge conversation, obviously, but if you had anything on that, because I think that's a big context of white supremacy, our power dynamics at play and how we get to keep looking at our privilege. We've got a blog post on five books to rethink how we do good. Books is one way to do it. There's obviously things you can do in community. Speak to your family. You sit down with your, your close ones and say, what does giving look like to you? Do you give to anything? Just asking people around you is a great place to start. In terms of resources, yeah, we've got a child blogger. Those books, I think just in personal experience, it is a journey. And Bryony, I agree. Like, I don't think I've got this right at all yet. And I don't know if I ever will. But these resources have really helped me. There's a, you know, for me as a, Pakeha coming into Aotearoa needs to understand the context. A beautiful book called Imagining Decolonization helped, hasn't given me all the answers, but it's given me an understanding of the community that we will create and chive in and what giving in that context looks like. In terms of the philosophy of how we can give best, whatever best means, there's two ways to do it. And one way is effective altruism. There's a beautiful book called 
doing good better by Will McCaskill. He's a, one of the youngest people to get a PhD from Oxford or something like that. He's a pretty bit of a whiz kid. But yeah, it's a short book. talks about how you can make the most impact with your dollars. And then another great book called Utopia for Realists by Rutger Bregman, which is talking about we're not too far from creating the beautiful world that we want. And a lot of it is down to mindsets and intentions and where we put our money and resources. So that's also a good framing if you're like me and interested in like big macro things, big old system change and change it all. Those, those have been really powerful books and resources for me. And just lastly, also the company you keep yourself, Bryony, and my wife, Alice, and the amazing people I've met through my my career and personal life at Oxfam and British Council all over the world. And they're also the, the key levers for change is that the people you surround yourself with hugely make a difference. So those are my, that's my two cents on that. Amazing. I love that. There's the conversations that you're having and the people you're around and that really call to action to have those conversations with people in your life, with your friends, with your family. I think it's something that had been even financials that often kept very private and exploring those biases Alice you mentioned it earlier and Stephen just then it's like let's look at the biases we have as a family (laughs) let's look at what we invest in as a community where have those come from and really exploring that context so we'll make sure the five book blog is put in the show notes as well because I know there's a lot of listeners that are in the macro and the micro the big high level systems change thinkers we've gotten here and we've also got the micro just tell me how to do it so I feel like we have explored both of those and so a final question for you is what do you think we're going to see or what would you love to see I wanted to frame this at the start too is that the goal would be that charities necessarily required anymore but being realistic that's not going to happen for a long while and so the key thing I would love to see is having the communities that are receiving who are I guess the beneficiaries I hate that term but who are the recipients of the funding in the long run so say the environment or people experiencing homelessness, having them be involved in the giving process. That is one of my biggest dreams because the more we can include them, the better the outcomes are going to be. Right now, there is this intermediary of charity, which is really important, but it can often perhaps create a mismatch in outcomes. And so one really awesome example of people already doing this is give directly. And so that's direct cash transfers to people experiencing hardship, which is a really powerful way to give. And it reduces the stigma for the person receiving the grant because it is, like we love, no strings attached. (laughs) And it's had really wonderful outcomes. Stephen? Yeah, let the people who want to make the change make the change. Give them the money, give them the time, give them the resources, give them the trust, the energy, the full backing that they need and deserve. And stop this assuming of what people's problems are and that you understand everyone's problems. I think that's an important mindset shift. And related to that is as a space, as a sector or what charities are, less white, more diverse, more young people. We're like the youngest people in this space. All the people we speak to are like 20 plus years older than us. And that's great. And know that there's so many beautiful people out there. You look at Extinction Rebellion, how many young people got involved in that? Um, You look at the crisis in Ukraine at the moment, you just see on social media and Twitter how many young people are so active and vocal about what's going on out there. I really just want to see the diversity of people who can make a change in this world brought to this space and it not being this clunky thing that middle class white people do when they make it to their 40s and 50s. No, it's something that we can do right now. Thank you for your honesty and your passion and leading the charge on this because I love that. It's like we all get to be part of this. We all get to be empowered in this and that context of trust. 
trust of where the money's going and self-empowerment with our own just so good. All right. Now everyone can just go take the action because I'm sure you all be so inspired, but thank you both for joining us today and for giving your wisdom and for being two people who are so, so committed to this work in the world. I've truly never ever witnessed anything else like it. You are both so humble and so generous and making the biggest impact. And on behalf of everyone and Aotearoa, thank you for providing this platform where we can all go and be empowered and set up our strategy because it hasn't been easy before now. And you have made it so easy for us. So for anyone listening, it's so simple. Give up one of your lattes and go set up your reoccurring, consistent giving strategy if you're in a position to do that. I think that was a beautiful access. It's like not all of us are, but a lot of us are. And so we get to be responsible for that. And Chive is such an easy way for the Kiwis out there listening to do that. And if you're not from New Zealand, I'm sure there's some amazing other initiatives. Thank you both for everything. And all the links and everything will be in the show notes. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having us. And okay, Bryony McKenzie, the master manifester, as you were speaking just then, literally we got a notification that we just got a recurring donation to Kiwi Harvest. So, oh my gosh, of course, of course. <laughs> you know, wow, just, that's incredible. The universe is listening. Well, I don't know about you, but I feel so inspired and empowered by Alison Stevens' philosophy, generosity, and commitment to this sector. And if you are someone who's listening to this and you know you have a level of privilege, as we discussed, then this is your call to action to do something with your wealth from this moment. Don't wait till the moment that we feel like we've got enough or whatever it is, we get to truly be that embodiment of our values now and the causes we care about and give up our judgments and objections towards the charitable sector and be part of this transformation as you know i'll consider myself a relatively young person i am excited to be able to look back on your life when we put this strategy in place from now and see the massive compounding impact redistributing and circulating our wealth is caused and a little bit goes a long way. So all the links are in the show notes. You can check out Chive, you can set up your strategy, all the books mentioned in the blog posts are also in the show notes. So enjoy those and remember that nothing truly shifts in this area until we take action.